Please, please, please don't fast forward. This will take exactly 12 seconds. I, Kevin Pang, host of Proof, have a brand new book out called A Very Chinese Cookbook. If you want to learn proper Chinese cooking, this is the book to get. Again, it's called A Very Chinese Cookbook, and it's out in stores now. Okay, thanks. Bye. My producers at Proof grant me one hot take every season. And dear listener, I'm cashing in that chip right now. I think the most delicious sandwich in the world is the Philly cheesesteak. There, I said it. I will stand by my opinion. I will die on this beefy hill. I mean, do I even need to defend this hot take? Because who would argue with that? You've got the seasoned steak griddled crispy, the onion sauteed in the beef fat, the cheese, the defense rests. Okay, so we all know the cheesesteak grew out of Philadelphia. But what's fascinating is where the sandwich has traveled to. Today on Proof from America's Test Kitchen, the story of how the Philly cheesesteak crossed the ocean and became a sandwich sensation in Pakistan and beyond. I'm Kevin Pang, fully whiz wits. Stick around. Hey everyone, it's Kevin here. If you're listening to Proof, you probably love food. Maybe you're even a great cook already, or maybe you aspire to be one. And if that's the case, then Sur La Table is for you. Good cooking comes down to two things, skills and tools. Sur La Table has you covered on both. They have the largest recreational cooking class in the country with over 40,000 classes for folks of any skill level, even the kids. And they stock high quality tools and equipment from the best kitchen brands, many of which have come out on top in our product reviews at ATK, All Clad, Le Creuset, Breville, and more. So do yourself a favor and go wander the aisles of one of their retail stores. There are over 50 locations across the country. You can ogle beautiful pans, take that new kitchen gadget you've been eyeballing for a test drive, and just get inspired to cook something amazing. Visit surlatab.com to start cooking. That's S-U-R-L-A-T-A-B-L-E dot com. Reporter Kunwer Koldun Shahid brings us today's story. It's April 2022, and I'm in downtown Philadelphia. I'm visiting the city for the first time as part of a delegation of Pakistani journalists who were invited to a conference on digital media. Our coordinator, the very kind Todd Rose, tells us, Philly is famous for three things. Independence Hall, the Liberty Bell, and cheesesteaks. I learned that Pat's King of Steaks and his rival across the street, Gino Steaks, are the legendary shops that put Philly cheesesteaks on the map. And while I went to Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell during my time in Philadelphia, I did not get to have a cheesesteak. Fast forward eight months, I'm back in my hometown of Lahore, Pakistan. I'm on a road that's filled with cafes and restaurants, and I feel like I'm starting to notice signs for cheesesteaks everywhere. There's a billboard for Philly Steak Sandwich Restaurant on a highway. I see it on the menus in a different part of town at Coffee Tea & Company, as well as Freddy's and Cafe Zook. I guess the cheesesteak had been on my mind. 
Lahore is the cultural capital of Pakistan, so it's not entirely surprising to see American food here. It's renowned for the way its cuisine merges flavors brought by the many empires that ruled over the Indian subcontinent. But the specificity of the Philly cheesesteak ending up in Pakistan is something that made me wonder. What is it about this sandwich that it would make its way from the city of brotherly love to the city of gardens in Lahore? How does the Philly cheesesteak have such staying power? Now that I was seeing Philly cheesesteaks everywhere, I felt like I had to find the answers. Lahore's M.M. Alam Road is brimming with restaurants featuring cuisines from all over the world. But it's especially been dominated by American-style cafes and franchises for the better part of the past three decades. The cafes I mentioned earlier, Coffee Tea & Company, Freddy's and Cafe Zook, are over two decades old. Each has a Philly cheesesteak on their respective menus. All three cafes claim to be the driving force behind the cheesesteak's popularity in Lahore. Just like Pat's and Zeno's in Philly. But it is Cafe Zook that has been carrying the cheesesteak the longest. I sit with Cafe Zook's owner Shahzad Khokar to understand how and why he decided to introduce the cheesesteak to Lahore. The Philadelphia cheesesteak sandwich has been on the Zook menu since January 1995. And uh, I was inspired by this item because I lived in America for a long time and I went to college there. And uh, this was my favorite uh, sandwich. So I thought that when I'll do my own restaurant, I will definitely include this in the menu. Shahzad says he had always envisioned himself opening an American-style restaurant and knew that he would put the cheesesteak on the menu. He then describes to me how the cheesesteak is cooked at Cafe Zook. He says the sandwich has been prepared in the same way that he learned during his time in the United States. We have a very good quality of beef which we roast and uh, then we uh, chill and after that we slice it very thinly. We cook it on a flat top grill and at low heat. We uh, put all the uh, seasoning and we combine all the vegetables like the onions, the capsicum uh, and we uh, cook them and then we add our concossi sauce. And uh, after that, we put the cheese in there and prepare the bread separately, the hoagie bread, and serve it with coleslaw and fries. I simply had to try the cheesesteak sandwich at Cafe Zook. Mm. The beef was chunky and perfectly seasoned. There wasn't as much cheese on the sandwich as I would have expected, but that made the beef stand out more. I walked to another area bustling with eateries, Johar Town where I saw the billboard for Philly Steak Sandwich. I ordered a Philly cheesesteak and noticed that it combines the cheese and steak filling with Pakistani spices. I could definitely taste the burst of tikka masala there. It is oozing with the original cheesesteak recipe with desi flavors. This fusion of flavors is part of the story of US-Pakistani relations. The 1980s was the time when a growing number of Pakistanis were going to America to study or work. The ones that landed in America, like Shahzad, tried a cheesesteak and stayed loyal to the original recipe. But others ended up putting their own spin on things, especially when they wanted to learn how to make the cheesesteak at home. You have to cook it for about 30 seconds to one minute until you can smell the aroma. 
of the flower. Aisha Sarwar is the co-founder of the cooking academy called Cooking 101. She has represented Pakistan in international cooking competitions and she's also the winner of Shan Kitchen 2020, a MasterChef style Pakistani competition. Aisha has been teaching people how to cook a Philly steak sandwich since 2016. We were the pioneers mm-hmm. in teaching Philly cheese steak. Mm-hmm. Nobody was teaching it back then because people didn't know about Philly cheesesteaks. Aisha and her partner Sidra Shahid were approached by a group who had just returned from Dubai. This group had eaten at Charlie's Cheesesteak, a chain that originated in Ohio. And the group asked Aisha and Sidra if they could teach them the recipe. Aisha and Sidra recreated the cheesesteak in their class called Classics from Around the World. but not before they had put in some hard yards so we used to do our r&d a lot before teaching something because a lot of the times you haven't tasted it but you can have a you know a little bit knowledge how it would have been done while researching the recipe aisha and sidra took note of how the authentic cheese steak is cooked and stayed true to the recipe but as they put together the recipe they realized they were missing one important ingredient What about the spices because they actually use salt and black pepper and that's not enough for our people. <laughs> They're going to be like it's kind of bland. That's when Aisha decided to add desi spices to it and make it more in line with Pakistani and Lahori taste buds. Aisha's desi philly cheese steak consists of beef, veggies, cheese topped with a tikka masala sauce. In order to truly understand how the desi style Pakistani cheese steak is prepared, Aisha invited me to her kitchen to show me how it's cooked. And now I'm going to add our spices. The original recipe doesn't calls for it. I have so Traditionally the cheese steak has a filling of beef, cheese and onions. But Aisha's desi cheese steak adds a special spice blend into the beef, adding some of it in her cheese sauce as well. The blend consists of salt, black pepper, red chili turmeric cumin garlic ginger coriander and garam masala aisa tops it off with grilled vegetables as well the beef is marinated in yogurt ginger and garlic paste lemon juice and the tikka spice blend the beef is sauteed on a grill along with peppers and onions the tikka spice blend is added to the peppers and onions and then all of the ingredients are filled inside a hoagie roll The most critical part of the recipe is the tikka sauce. This sauce is what gives the cheese steak that desi twist. While the desi cheese steak has been a hit with her students, not everyone is a fan of mixing flavors. Cafe Zook owner Sajad Khokhar told me why his cafe has kept the recipe as close as possible to the original for the past 29 years. If we make any major changes, the customer starts complaining. They don't want any changes. They just wanted the way it was. when they were kids when they grown up and till now Aisha was also apprehensive at first about tweaking the original recipe at that part of the time we were teaching pure authentic food so we went for the authentic version we took a risk we didn't add any of the chili powder or anything you cannot always know the texture and the taste that how it feels like because both of the cultural cuisine like from the US and from Pakistan we have a lot of differences I spoke with anthropologist Taiba Batool 
to get a sense about the flow of culinary ideas between cultures and how they are adapted or resisted by its people. Taiba is a PhD candidate in the Department of Anthropology at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, and she's originally from Pakistan. She shares her observations on Pakistani reactions to food served at American-style cafes that blend local and Western flavors. I would say that Lahori's are generally very experimental with their food, so there's definitely a big mix of fusion that's happening across these very typically. American foods and how they've been adapted into local cuisine. People were really trying to and are still uh, improvising with how the American burger is eaten um, around Lahore, around Rawalpindi, Karachi, and you'll find different varieties of this. In not just thinking through like the meats, but what forms of toppings, like what form of caramelized onions or other. like cilantro and um chutneys that they'll put in in her research taiba has looked at the politics of conservation heritage and community identity in the walled city of lahore according to her adapting new ideas is built into lahore's dna i think the lahori identity is one that uh, welcomes you in their homes that welcomes your gifts um of ideas inspirations and it's and i think it's also one that welcomes other cultures you'll see that as an extension of the social which is the community that is marked by different histories different beliefs comes to like transcend and bring in elements that are not just from the region um the south the south asian region but also from oceans apart historically lahore has been at the crossroads of many empires and a center for many foreign rulers from the afghans to the persians to the turks to the brits it's a place where many cultures belief systems and ideas merged to take a new form which despite its different sources remained true to the land so the lahore fort is a great example when we talk about multicultural influences it has these various motifs that borrow from hindu traditions that are then joined with a lot of the influence that comes from the sort of pan arabia motifs of islamic architecture with more floral prints and even in the post colonial era you'll see that there's a diverse mix of taste um that can be experienced and sensed not just in its architecture but in its everyday life and food is the everyday life This is precisely what has happened with the cheesesteak. Lahori's like Shahzad brought the idea of the cheesesteak with them. And then someone like Aisha molded that idea and gave it a truly Lahori form. Aisha insists that it was also American pop culture that put a lot of American ideas, symbols and offerings in the Pakistani subconscious. That's why even though Aisha has never had the original cheesesteak, she always had the urge to cook it. I saw in a movie honestly and when I saw it I was like I I really want to you know have this I I want to learn it because I was teaching uh different kinds of cuisines to different students at the time Anthropologist Taiba Batool says it wasn't just American movies TV shows music or sports that were penetrating Pakistani minds by the 1990s American culture including food was pretty much anywhere and everywhere American culture was defined by the McDonald's, the KFC, 
and Pizza Hut, all these franchises that had slowly made their way to Pakistan. And that felt like the the big moment, like, you know, we can experience what Americans eat. It was all the rage around, you know, American music, heavy metal and rock. And I remember, remember we used to have like a satellite dish and we could stream certain channels and some, a lot of them had these American shows. I remember watching Scooby-Doo as a kid and man, did it bring American food to Pakistani TV screens. More bologna? Yeah, 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 yeah. And some more meatloaf? Yeah, 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 yeah. And a slot of double Dutch chocolate syrup. American food terms found their way into the local language to such an extent that the word burger has been used to describe urban Pakistani kids who don't speak their mother tongue and consume lots of Western food and pop culture. For Aisha, American influence also came through extended family members who lived in the US. She has family members in Florida, New Jersey, and Maryland. And while working on the cheesesteak recipe, Aisha was in touch with them online, taking their feedback and incorporating it in her recipe. A lot of my relatives live uh, in US. So I discussed with them that have they ever, you know, uh, had it. Taiba Batul says that while the internet has made the exchange of ideas even faster, there is still no substitute for first-hand knowledge. That physically experiencing the ideas that are being incorporated especially when it comes to food, is priceless. She believes that the experience also helps fill gaps in the food business, where some ingredients from one place might not be available in another. She tells me about how chefs in Pakistan have substituted some American-found spices for Pakistani ones. One example would be the chicken tikka pizza. Pizza Hut, they would fuse all these, uh, the typical spices that we would associate with making chicken tikka, which would be red chili powder, turmeric, garam masala, various other everyday things in your pantry in Pakistan. And they would put it in there as toppings on their pizza. These insights hit home, how American cuisine and the Philly cheesesteak arrived and spread in Lahore. Lahoris had the cheesesteak in the US and then brought it back with them to Lahore. Some recreated the recipe, and others kept it close to the original using locally available substitutes. Both Shahzad, the cafe owner, and Aisha had their respective experiences through pop culture or through direct contact with the Philly cheesesteak. But going by Taiba's analysis, if experiencing is the most critical aspect of food traveling from one place to another, then the idea should work in both directions. If the authentic cheesesteak can arrive and thrive in Lahore, surely a desi Lahori cheesesteak should also find an audience in Philadelphia, right? After the break, Kunware takes the Desi Lahori cheesesteak to sandwich royalty in the heart of Philadelphia. Hey, Proof listeners. Plugra's premium European-style butter is a favorite of bakers. Why? Cook's Illustrated Recipe developer, Erica Turner, sums it up. Hey, Kevin. Did you know that the kind of butter you use when you're baking can actually make a difference in how your dish turns out? I did not. Butters that are slow-churned, like Plugra, are easier to work with because they make doughs more pliable. The amount of fat in the butter also makes a difference. Tell me more. Okay. Okay. 
So most American butters contain around 80% butter fat, but European style butters like Plugra have a higher fat content. In fact, Plugra premium European style butter always contains 82% butter fat. And you're saying 2% is enough to make a noticeable difference? Oh yeah, definitely. With Plugra slow churn butter and its 82% butter fat content, you'll notice richer, flakier pastries, cakes that rise higher, and cookies that crisp more easily. Embrace your inner butter lover. From professional kitchens to your home. Visit plugra.com for more information. And now, back to our story. I've landed in Philadelphia. I'm thinking about what anthropologist Taiba Batul told me. She was talking about how even though pop culture and the internet can inspire food ideas, they need to be experienced firsthand to allow them to fully flourish. You do need to experience the food itself in the place where it comes from. How can we smell? How can we taste? How do we look at it? How do we recognize the textures, the forms? And any food that originates has come from its own history and its own culture of being in a certain maybe temperature, being in a place with certain resources. And so it's important to be in the place to really recognize that, ah, this is the real authentic form. So what about us folks who live in Pakistan and bring such ideas to the U.S.? How would a tikka masala cheesesteak be received in Philadelphia? Taiba says that Philadelphians are familiar with tikka masala because they have seen it across various restaurants. People in Philly are, I think, equally experimental. There's all these different um, Pakistani, Indian, desi food spots. So tikka masala is, it's everywhere. And people wouldn't be very, ah, what is a tikka masala? But what about a tikka masala cheesesteak? A merger of a quintessential Philadelphia meat filling and the sauce that Lahore is known for. I think Philly is a great place to test different things. It's the city that will be very curious, very receptive, very eager to try out this new variety. It might face some backlash because Philadelphia is the home of the cheesesteak, the Philly cheesesteak, of course. So there will be the purist who will definitely not want these, you know, manipulations to the original recipe. Later that evening, I talk on the phone with Aisha back in Lahore. She is certain that if I take her recipe to a cheesesteak shop in Philadelphia, they're going to enjoy it and appreciate the flavors. Her confidence makes me broaden my ambitions and aspire for the very top. How about recreating the Lahori Thikka cheesesteak at the famous Pat's King of Steaks? Do I dare? It doesn't matter how many years you've been a reporter, waiting for a response from a source is always nerve-wracking. Would I even get a response? Within hours of writing the paths, I receive a seven-word reply. We are very happy to host you. It's on. As I get ready for the big day, there is more than a fair bit of nerves. I don't want to let Aisha down by ruining her recipe. I'm also not sure how Frank Olivieri Jr., aka Frankie, the current owner of Pats, is going to react. His family created the original cheesesteak recipe. So, if there's one person who has every right to be a cheesesteak purist, 
It's Frankie. The day before, I head to Pat's to get a handle of the space and maybe ease some nerves. It's afternoon and the queue of customers is as long as the eye could see. I'm allowed inside the kitchen, but it's small and compact, with just about enough space for the cooks to weave their wizardry without colliding into one another. There's a grill right next to the customer's window, and next to it I see a bucket load of beef and a big container with the renowned cheese whiz. On the other end is a massive fridge, and next to it I see the rolls wherein all the magic comes together. The stakes are big, but for me, the stakes are bigger. These ridiculous attempts at humor are surprisingly soothing. And who cares if the pun isn't funny? All that matters is if tomorrow, I'm able to create the bun intended. Oh, I'm absolutely on a roll. The next day, I get up at 6 a.m. to prepare the tikka sauce at the apartment I'm staying at. I bought the ingredients the previous evening and have the file with Aisha's recipe open in front of me. I put some butter on a pan, add tomatoes and onion to give the sauce its base, adding some water for texture. Then I make Aisha's tikka masala spice blend, using salt, black pepper, red chili, turmeric, cumin, garlic, ginger, coriander, and garam masala. It's time to blend all the spices. I add the spices to the pan, then blend the mixture to puree the sauce for consistency. I taste the sauce, and I think Aisha would be proud. Now I hope Frankie likes it as well. I reach Pat's a few minutes early. Frankie is there already, and he greets me warmly. Come on in. So we are moving into our third phase of construction. The building was probably built and wired by Ben Franklin. When we enter the shop, Frankie takes me to a huge freezer. It's where the beef is kept. He then shows me another freezer that stores all the sandwiches that will be shipped out that day all over the country. Then Frankie shows me the ribeye cutter. He says that unlike other cheesesteak shops in Philly, Pat's only uses a ribeye cut. So as you can see, it's actual real ribeye. It's not the stuff that other people use, which is that they chop it and they do all that chopping thing because it's frozen together, preformed. This is the actual, it's the real deal. This is twice as expensive, three times as expensive as what other people use in Philadelphia. When we talk about Pat's competitors, there's one that stands out. It's oldest rival. Genos. Frankie tells me the place we are standing right now used to be called Joe's Steak Place. Joe Vento, the owner of Genos, worked for the family that originally owned this building. In 1967, Vento bought the place across the street where Genos has been ever since. So my father and Joe Vento were friends, but when they were on the battlefield, this quote unquote, as Joe Vento called it here, they didn't speak. But if they were out to dinner at night, they would fight to pay each other's check. Then Frankie tells me the story I have long wanted to hear. How did the cheesesteak come into existence? Frankie's uncle Pat and grandfather Harry sold hot dogs in the area where this building is right now. And one day they had a bit of extra money. So they purchased meat trimmings from the local butcher and made a sandwich. So the butcher had some trimmings, which were ribeye at the time. They put it on the hot dog grill and uh, they made it for themselves. They put onions on it, on an Italian loaf of bread because we're Italian. And a cab driver saw the sandwich and said, well, it looks really great. Can you make me one? Cab driver took a bite and said, no, this is great. Forget about hot dogs, start making the sandwich. Mm -hmm. We have also had mushrooms and peppers because that was customer demand. 
Not my favorite. I don't think a, Philly, a real Philly cheesesteak has mushrooms and peppers. And I think there's been some debate over the years on that. I think a purist just wants cheese, meat, bread, and onions. As soon as I hear the story, I can't help but feel that adding tikka masala to a bad steak might be some form of Philly food sacrilege. But then Frankie tells me that he has had many renditions of the cheesesteak. And he has, in fact, invited his chef friends from all over the world to prepare the cheesesteak at his store. Among numerous others, he has had a Montreal-style steak au poivre and an Israeli cheesesteak. I'm not sure if that should make me more relaxed or put more pressure on me. But before I make the Lahore Tikka version, Frankie shows me how the original Pat's cheesesteak is made. So what we do is basically, um, I grab the sack of meat and I put it down like, like cards, like if I was playing solitaire. And then um, put a little soybean oil on it and then we make the steak. Frankie puts a generous it. serving inside the roll. He adds grilled onions and the cheese whiz on top. And voila, the original cheesesteak is ready. I take a bite and it tastes unbelievably good. The cheese enveloped the beef and married together with the roll in a bite that was perfect. One of the juiciest combos I've ever eaten in a sandwich. And now it's my turn to make him the tikka masala version. All of a sudden the nerves are gone and I'm all set to pack in some Lahori flavors and spice this Philadelphian dish up. We have the beef and onions ready, but I saute some hot peppers on the grill as well and add them to the roll. Ideally, you should season the beef, but obviously we don't have time for that. So I'll just add the sauce just before the cheese. Receive that beef seasoning. It doesn't need any seasoning. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I use less cheese than what a regular Pat's cheesesteak has on top, since the tikka masala sauce is quite thick and heavy. I then ladle the pre-made tikka masala sauce atop the meat and cheese. Then Frankie takes it off of the grill and cuts it in half. We each grab a piece. It should be a bit sour, more sour than, than usual, but yeah. yeah. Not too spicy because we, you know. All right, you taking a piece too? Uh, first you, after you. Right, <laughs> and now, the, the moment of truth. Sauce, right? It's one of my favorite sauces, and to mix it with the cheese whiz, it marries really nicely with the cheese whiz. I probably have it all over my face as well. Wow, I like the pepper in it. I actually taste the ribeye. I taste the onions, I taste the peppers, I taste the, the warm spices, I taste the cheese. It's a nice layering of all the flavors. It's really there. I, honestly, I never, I never finish a sandwich. I never like, plus it's, it's quarter of nine in the morning. I would definitely put this on the menu. Okay, did Frankie just say that the Lahori Tikka Masala cheesesteak is good enough to be put on the menu at Pat's? Wow. I, I would eat that. Twice a week. Wow. I ser Guess what? Seriously, I'm not because not the camera's here. Yeah. I would eat that twice a week. <laughs> Got that Wait, you have my email head. address? I, I have Nancy's email address. I, I need that recipe. Yeah, yeah. I seriously need that recipe. Yeah. Some of the staff tried a bite and they also couldn't get enough. Frankie's right-hand man, Big John, mistakenly thought I ran a restaurant in Pakistan and that I served the tikka cheesesteak there. Yes, yes. This is your store? The cheesesteak store? No, no, no. I, I just learned the recipe. Oh, you learned, learned the recipe. The recipe. I'm, not, I'm not a chef. I just learned the recipe in Lahore. I, I just came to Philadelphia. I cannot wait to tell Aisha that her recipe has been a big hit at the birthplace of the cheesesteak. Having personally lived out the transfer of ideas and recipes over the past couple of weeks, I have this newfound appreciation for fusion food. 
And while we might have hit the zenith with our merger of Lahori and Philadelphian flavors at Pat's, that's not where the story ends. To make up for my first visit when I didn't eat any cheesesteaks, I decided to go on a cheesesteak and hoagie eating spree. It turns out that here in Philadelphia, sandwiches from around the world converge in the form of a cheesesteak. Korea Taqueria combines Korean flavors into their Philly cheesesteaks. First of all, it's huge. It has a truffle, it has a ribeye, fried onions, I think. It's amazing. Then I go to Gojo, where they make an Ethiopian-style cheesesteak. I notice that the filling has minced beef. Owner, Heptamu Shitaye, explains why their cheesesteak is different from other places. The meat is chunky. Yeah. So we take our time, we chop it, and we add our spices. I even find an Indian cheesesteak at Little Sicily too. Thanks to fellow Proof contributor Ahmed Ali Akbar for the recommendation. Although Indian and Pakistani flavors are quite similar, Little Sicily too uses minced meat and adds Indian spices to the meat instead of adding a thick sauce like Aisha's recipe. As I try these cheesesteaks, I share the images, videos, and flavors of the sandwiches with Aisha on WhatsApp. Having successfully created the Lahori Philadelphian fusion, I can tell she cannot wait to take a crack at recreating these cheesesteaks. I'm now back in Aisha's kitchen. I want to tell her about all of the fusion cheesesteaks that I tried in Philly and continue the cycle of culinary exchange by making Gojo's Ethiopian-style cheesesteak with her. But before we get down to it, I have to get Aisha's reaction to what Frankie said about her recipe. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Let me digest this because for a chef and having appraisal, it's a reward, you know? And appraisal from somebody who is so distinguished and accomplished. I am so happy that it is kind of indescribable because that is something that I've never visited. I've only heard about it. And the recipe I made with the fusion twist, like Philly Tikka cheesesteak, and it's been made by you over there, it's like a privilege, you know? I'm filled with gratitude. I'm like so happy I'm out of words. I just feel like jumping, you know? <laughs> with excitement. Once she's done with all the jumping, Aisha shows me the kitchen counter. It's packed with a multitude of spices. We're going to merge the cheesesteak that I had at Gojo with Aisha's own twist to it. I wanted to cook this version of the cheesesteak because the mincemeat, or the keema as we call it, is reminiscent of the keema sandwiches we had as children. Leftover aloo keema, or potatoes with mincemeat, stuffed in bread, and we would have our school lunch ready. But while the texture is similar, the spices here are quite different. Aisha runs us through the recipe for an Ethiopian Berbere spice blend. It's ground cumin, along with coriander powder, paprika, uh, ground cinnamon, cayenne, ginger powder, along with garlic powder. However, just as the anthropologist Taiba Batul had pointed out, a critical aspect of fusion food is figuring out how to compensate for the ingredients that aren't found or aren't as common in the place where it is being recreated. And while Aisha did extensive research on the Berbere spice blend, we were missing one crucial ingredient. One thing that is missing in this blend is allspice berry. I tried to find it out, but turns out we do not use it in our cuisine that much. To make up for it, we used more cloves and nutmegs. And once Aisha puts the spice blend into the pan, 
the burst of flavor took me right back to Gojo. After marinating the beef with the spices, it is cooked and put on a hoagie roll. Like at Gojo, Aisha doesn't add too much cheese to the flavorful filling either, unless the Ethiopian spices caress our taste buds. Aisha's Ethiopian cheesesteak is absolutely scrumptious. Mm-hmm. The veggies, the cheese itself, they add, add a lot of layer to it. This is delicious, Aisha. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. It's similar to the one I had at Gojo, but also quite different in its texture and presentation. The cinnamon adds some sweetness to the filling, which when combined with beef reminds me of another popular meat dish that we have in Lahore and across the Indian subcontinent, the korma. Korma is braised meat in thick curry, cooked in traditional Indo-Pak spices. So what we have in front of us is a Lahori spin on a sandwich that merged Ethiopian and Philadelphian flavors. It brings together tastes, palates and flavors from three different countries and three different continents, putting it all on a single plate right in front of me. This fusion highlights how different cultures can come together, blend so seamlessly, and mold into a new delightful form. This new creation is unquestionably unique, but at the same time retains the essence of its origins. It became clear to me that the Philly cheesesteak's staying power comes from its customizability and adaptability. And it is only through an appreciation for the unknown and a yearning for familiarity that one can bring all the flavors to the same table. So, where do we go from here? I guess the next obvious destination should be Ethiopia. Now I've got to take the Lahori Ethiopian Philly cheesesteak to Addis Ababa. Thanks to Kunwar Koldun Shahid for bringing us today's story. Go to Aisha Sarwar's YouTube channel if you want to try your hand at her Desi Philly cheesesteak. And a quick note to listeners, this year, 2024, is going to be our most exciting year yet because we'll be bringing you way more episodes of Proof than ever before. We'll be taking a break next week, but tune in on January 25th to get more updates about our 2024 plans. I think you'll like what you hear. If you like Proof, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or write us a review? It really helps other people find the show. This episode of Proof is hosted by me, Kevin Pang, and the podcast is made by the following cast of characters. I'm Yumi Araki, the managing producer. I'm executive producer, Caitlin Kelleher. I'm supervising producer, Caroline Rickard. I'm Alex Kern Cartarelli, and I'm an associate producer. I'm Angelica Quintanilla, also an associate producer. I'm Bridget Lancaster, creator and the founding host and producer. Audio services are provided by Ultraviolet Audio with sound design supervision by Matt Boynton. Scoring, mixing, and sound design by Anya Gzeshik. Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds Composer Theme Music. Additional music by Kyle Forster and Jordan Pearson. Ken Margolis. Is our director of host production, and our director of production is Diane Knox. Fact-checking and additional research by Sarah D. Collins. Special thanks to Nancy Shore, Koram Chaudhry, Faisal Ilyas, Masar Hussein, Bradford Pearson, and Todd Rose. 
Thanks also to everyone at Pat's King of Steaks for welcoming us into your kitchen. Jack Bishop is the Chief Creative Officer, and Dan Surratt is America's Test Kitchen's CEO. Thanks to our sponsors, Plugra Premium Butter and Sirla Tob. Proof is a production of America's Test Kitchen.